unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. Welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today? Nathan, I'm good. I'm excited. How are you? I'm excited for two reasons. If the video viewers can already see, number one, you got a new Mac and the camera on it is amazing and the audio sounds improved as well. And we have a very special guest. So two reasons for me to rejoice about this week's episode. Yeah, well, I, I want to say something about the Mac before we get to the main event. Last show, <laughs> my, my video literally ground to a halt, like a, a car whose engine died. It was, I, I mean, so I did this out of necessity. I like to buy new toys, but this was a necessary purchase. And nice. yeah, we got Kevin. Kevin's Why back. Let's welcome, thank you. Yeah, let's welcome him back for the third time in the Copywriters Podcast. It's Kevin Rogers. And What's up? no matter what we do, he can't seem to scare him away. Um, <laughs> I don't know why you keep having me back. We are definitely going to violate some kind of FCC uh, we something. have already done that many times. So we're grateful to have you back, Kevin. And he's been on before, as regular listeners and viewers know, to talk about humor. And we greatly appreciated that. But today we're going to talk about something different. Mm -hmm. I would call it... See if you agree, Kevin. Ten rapid fire steps to get a first draft yeah. of your sales page down on paper or screen. And besides being a successful and experienced stand-up comedian, Kevin's also an A-list copywriter and author of 60-second sales hook, as well as a great teacher. And um Kevin, can I call you a community organizer? Um yes, sir. He, Okay, he's yes, he's he's organized Copy Chief, which is a powerful online community for copywriters. Um, but let's get to his 10-step process right after we get to this. Copy is powerful. You're responsible, especially today, you're responsible for how you use what you hear in this podcast. And most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So, Kev, again, welcome back. Thanks. And this is known to some people already as your four-by-six strategy. Is that That's what, right. What you say? Could, could you it sort is. of talk about the genesis? Where did this come yeah. from? Yeah. yeah, I was particularly interested to run this by you because it's a, so what it is, is this was my survival tool, David, as you know, I was blessed to have John Carlton is, is a great friend that we, uh, as, as you are. And for me, uh, a real mentor. And so when I would go to John and be stressed out, it was always over the same thing because I had so much trouble starting my first draft. And you know, John, as he would say, hey, you just, you know, yeah, stock the desk a little. And you said, you just pump it out, you know, stream of consciousness. He goes, you know, and in that way, hey, if, if, if you get hit by a bus or something, at least the client's got something, you know, just get something down. And he had all this great reasoning. It, it made sense, but I couldn't do it. I just freaking couldn't do it. You know, I, I, I was, I don't know what it is. Like everybody has their own 
little trauma to deal with as a writer. And mine was, yeah. Let me tell you something, because about what Carlton says he does, which I think for someone like you would never work. And um, I'm I'm sort of halfway between you and him in that regard. What he'll do is is he'll just barf out a bunch of stuff on paper, and then he starts editing it because he says writing's really hard, editing is so easy, and he tricks himself into it, and he gets mm-hmm. in this flow state, and all of a sudden the thing starts to appear. I have a feeling you have like higher initial standards, or at least you used to when you were having this problem, that it really had to look good when it, it landed on the page to begin with. Not even that? I guess I don't. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know what to attribute it to. I, I think of it as resistance, like uh, Pressman talked about, right? In War of Art, and yeah. it's, it's funny, Dave. It was so bad I couldn't even finish that book because I just reading about and thinking about the resistance made it worse. That's how much anxiety I had around that first draft, and so I realized a, a few things would help. One, one is that. I would stop taking it seriously and I would I would write a spoof of the actual copy I was supposed mm-hmm. to be writing. And I would, I would like an onion version of of the actual sales copy, stuff that would would have gotten me in a lot of trouble if it if it somehow <laughs> got released to, even to the client. And uh <laughs> did you ever accidentally kind of, hit send? Oops. <laughs> yeah, that would be bad. That'd be bad. Dear dickhead, you know, it just be a, <laughs> <laughs> what, what is this? We can't, we can't open with that, you know. <laughs> and and so, uh, <laughs> yeah, very important to go back and, and, and change the beginning. But um, yeah, so that would kind of get me past overthinking it. But then I came up with a thing where I was like, okay, I, I realized what my brain was doing. My brain just wanted to be linear, and very rarely is it a good idea to start top to bottom and write that way, right? I always tell people they go. Should I start with the headline? I go, well, in John Carlton's Simple Writing System, headline is step 10. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, and I've never had a headline that I started with that that won out in the end. You're going to find something better in a bullet or or somewhere in the body copy, right? And so, but my brain just wanted to do that. So what I did is I started just chunking out the parts of the of the pitch that I knew needed to be there. And I, I got them down to 10. And then I, what, what I would do, I really like four by six index cards. These are like my, I have them all over and, and I just go through at the end of the week and I go, okay, I did all that. So to a fault, I use these things to, to, to get my thoughts out. And so what I did was uh, I would write at the top each part of the pitch. And then I would summarize what I knew about it on front and back. And that's all the space I gave me to just summarize. And just did two things for me. One, it helped me know if I knew everything I needed to know to start writing. Cause if I could summarize every part, my research was done and I was good. Right. And then the other thing it did was it, it, it it satisfied my brain to be able to move on and actually get in a flow state and even just attack one part at a time if I wanted, but I, I couldn't, even go and say, just write the offer, write about the modules, just write the guarantee. I could do that to a point, but my brain was still like, you're not there yet. And frankly, I think we should, whenever possible, write a linear draft like John does, where you're just like having that, because then it'll be a conversation and it'll it'll be congruent. And, and this four by six process would allow my brain to then go do that. Oh, that's interesting. I, I understand. I mean, 
I think I have a, a similar reaction. I probably experience it differently. And that is if I know there's going to be a roadblock at this point in the copy, I'm not even going to get started because, I mean, it's, I'm trying to think of a polite way to say it's like having a blue pen or something. It's like you're just going to get frustrated. But anyway, that's interesting. You know, it, what you're talking about also reminds me of Gene Schwartz's concept of assembling, where you're just creating yep. chunks and, and then you put the chunks together. So. Yeah. So that's interesting. When, once you got this process under your fingers, did this work for you? Yeah, yeah. It sort of saved me. You know, it gave me it gave me a process that, again, it just it, I, I was able to narrow down the real resistance I was having to getting started and put it somewhere out of my brain onto these cards. And then I could write. The other thing it does that now I've been using this so long. Now, when you just need a good enough sales pitch, and this could be in an email, this could be in anything you need to put out. It's not, you're not beating an Agora control with just this, but I can now write a solid, thorough sales pitch in under 60 minutes using these cards. In fact, we, for the sales page for this, we just had our copywriter, Nick, write the page people are reading and and time himself so he you know screen recorded it with lumen you can see the timer going and it took him from filling out the 10 parts to actually doing the writing top to bottom about uh 42 minutes or something to to finish the sales letter right that's really good now for people out there maybe who aren't as experienced or as self-demanding as you are i think what what you said that the most practical use for this is if it's a product where you know the audience, you know the features, you know the benefits, you you know the company that's, and maybe even you've written something before and you have to come up with a completely new ad. Um, right. Is is that how people? And I know you're going to get into the details, and I, I yeah. really hope you do. But is that how people are getting the most frequent benefit use out of this method? I think so. I think it, it's that way. If, if they're already like for me, again, with, with me and, and what Nick did, we live in the product every day. And so we don't have to wonder how do we talk about who the guru is and how do we talk about, you know, it's just there. And then the only parts that change, as you'll see, are things like is are the bonuses different? Are we value stacking differently? Things like that. The other cool thing about it is particularly applying it to email copywriting sometimes you're making a direct offer and you so you really just need go okay what do i need to know about that part of this pitch and then you can focus on that and just make that offer right so the i think that's how most people use it though it's it, it's either to start a big project to make sure they've got their research done is there any is there any piece of knowledge i need that's integral to this pitch that i need to go spend more time on because sometimes that one part could be what's holding you back from getting in the groove is like you know you there's no you know there's something you don't know that makes sense all right do you want to start to walk us through what this thing actually is and how it works sure do you have a problem with kindle books i do sometimes i really just want to hold a book in my hand so i can turn the pages and highlight stuff and make notes that's one reason i recently released the print version of my book breakthrough copywriting and listen to this. On Facebook, I've gotten pictures posted from around the world. Pictures of people holding their printed copy of Breakthrough Copywriting in their hands. 
including one from an A-list screenwriter and marketer in L.A.'s famous Topanga Canyon. He was reading the book in his hot tub. Breakthrough Copywriting is a great book for you, whether you are a beginner or an A-lister yourself or anywhere in between. It costs a tiny, tiny fraction of my $5,000 a head seminar that the book is based on. So check out Breakthrough Copywriting on Amazon.com. Now, back to the show. I just want to say that there's an incredible value, not just in copywriting, but certainly in copywriting, in being able to break a big problem into smaller, the correct, smaller, discrete chunks. Because a lot of people just sit down, they work themselves up into a fever, a, a sweat, an anxiety attack, maybe. Right. And then, you know, that that level of energy gets them to spill something out. And it's still missing the stuff they were unconsciously worried about to begin with. This is a little more tedious than than the thrill of the last minute, but a hell of a lot better. Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, I, I just think, and that was what it did for me is allowed me to get ahead and not be freaking out and panicking at the last minute. You know, it's just, and like John said, even if I, if something happened, life events happen, if all I could give the client for some crazy reason, because I did not miss deadlines is another thing John put into me. You just don't miss deadlines. But if something happened, I could at least give them something to use or work with or, or hand off to another copywriter, you know? And yeah. so that's comforting. All right. So let's go through it. And David, again, I'm just really interested to get your your thoughts on this as the world's greatest copy coach, because it, it, it'd be interesting. I, I guess what I want to hear most from you is like, after I go through the 10 parts, instinctively sort of like what what's missing and like then what are the bigger things you, you kind of need to focus on i think there's a great lesson in that as well um, okay okay cool so number one the other reason it works out to call it the four by six by the way are there are two sections there's four things and then there's six things okay there are four what i call essential questions that every single piece of copy uh it has to answer otherwise your prospects brain will not let them continue right we'll have a, a, a open loop that'll kill this kill the sale and then we have okay. six sort of optimizers that increase the urgency around buying now or helping to increase the value okay here we go so number one we'll just call it product and it's simply what is it like what is this thing and what will it do for me and again, you're just, that seems like the most elementary thing in the world, but I continue to come across promos and I'm going, what is it? <laughs> just tell me what it is. So, you know, how cleanly can you describe what it is and what it'll do for your prospect? Okay. Number two is presenter. Who's behind the product? Who are you and why should I trust you? Number three is the problem. What problem does this solve for me? I like to call this section why can't I live without it? This is where we start to ramp up the conversation a little bit. And then the final of the four is proposition. This is also, I think of as the timeline. What result can I expect and when? This is, this is the number one of the four that I see missing the most. It's like, make it clear what kind of time proposition we're talking about for me to get a result. Yeah, can you tell me the name of number three and the what will it do for uh, me? Uh, problem. Problem was number three. Thank you. Okay. Great. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So that's, okay. that's the four. It's kind of similar to John's classic. Here's who I am. Here's what I've got for you. Here's what it'll do for you. And here's what to do next. It's 
Mm-hmm. Not quite that simple, but similar. All right, so, th- so from there we go into the six, and these are the six amplifiers. That Number one is value. Always very important to show me how it's better than the alternative. Proof, of course. Proof to me it works. Safety, reduce my risk of losing if I buy, so risk reversal. Bonus, excite me with relevant value boosters. Action, tell me exactly what to do now and make sure that I know when I click over to the order page, that's where I'm supposed to be. And then close, which has knocked me off the fence. I I like the, the easiest one to use here is the crossroads. Pretty applicable in any any pitch. Yeah, it's brilliant. I mean, if, if you can put answers to those questions on six index cards, I'm telling you, you're going to be so much more relaxed. No, you, you won't be like phlegmatic relaxed. You'll You'll be like, yeah, it gets roadblocks out of the way. I think as far as as far as your four essential questions, they pretty much cover it. I'm not sure you cover these things in those questions or not, but there there are three things I think that are essential. If you're not selling a commodity, if you're selling some kind of solution, some software or some course, I, I think the three the three things are who am I, the prospect? They want to know that you know who they are. Uh, mm-hmm. what kind of person they are, what their life is like. And then th- these are two things that m- might be embedded in problem or proposition, but I, I, I didn't hear you say them explicitly. One is, will this actually work? Does this actually work? Which, you know, kind of might fit in proof, but right. um, yeah. underneath there. But but I, I think it's, well, there, there are three kinds of buyers. You know, there are the uh, impulse buyers. There are the devotional buyers. And if, if you've got your, you know, a narcissistic guru relationship with someone, they'll follow you wherever you go. Yeah. But then, then they're the, then they're your like sort of middle of the road, common sense, logical, prove it to me buyers. And I think, yeah in the larger world, they're the majority of the people. So they're going to want to know, does this work and will this work and will this work for me? Can I make it work? You know, yep. I, I, I think they've got to, and, and you might actually be covering that in, in your six optimizers or in your four essential questions, but I didn't hear them explicitly. Yeah. So no, that that's great. No, I, Matt. I love it. I just wanted to clarify on that. The way that I think about this specific issue is the three core objections, which are, can I trust the person selling this? Can I trust that it will actually work? And then can I trust that it'll work for me? Those are usually the three most common objections that I come across when person to person selling and try to think about when I'm writing a sales letter. Yeah, I love it. This is exactly where I was going, Nathan. So I appreciate that. I think of it as the three belief shifts, right? Exactly what Nathan said. I, and to me, that third one is the biggest. Will it work for me? To me, I think of that as more th- the biggest objection to overcome because that's where self-doubt comes in. Or have I, am I? do I know I'm a course junkie and is this one going to be, am I going to get killed if my wife sees this on the credit card or my, or my husband or my partner or whatever? And, and I think that's the one that deserves the most care is that future pacing and in those in a lot of proof so these are all really good and valid and i think also yeah relate to the prospects a good one 
I think that comes in in problem where you say, here's why, because to say, here's why you can't live without it. The reason I like that phrasing is you is the key word. The, you, if I know my avatar and I'm talking to you, I'm, I want to hit on a problem that you go, oh, this guy gets it. He, he knows me. He's been through this. Not just because I say I've been through it or, or I gloss over the top of it. And keep in mind, this is just to get the first draft out, like you said, David, right? It's like getting down the, the front. So the things that you'll need to do once you get uh, in into the actual writing are probably make another little right at the top of your page. The three beliefs, like Nathan pointed out. And what was the first one you said? You said, relate to the prospect. Does this actually work? Which yeah, um, just it, it's an identification thing. Like if I had no sense of humor and I was like really shocked when you were, you know, being funny, that would like indicate I don't know who you are. Yeah. And something is wrong. <laughs> you're on my podcast and I don't know that you're a professional comedian. Yeah. Right. I mean, so it's it, it obviously not that specific. But again, I, I think you were asking me a question that really, I think the four essential questions, I think they're great for starters. And and so my yeah. my thought might be, you know, further down the road, a second draft, you know, the finished copy. I think you've got to build something into the process that will lead to those things. But yeah. uh, I, no, I think this this is great as, as a way to get started. And it's a very smart and effective way. It it actually looks linear. Of course, it's not. It's like boom, 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 boom. Right. All but, over but the you, place. Could, you could use it. We usually use it pretty linear. Um, it, it, it was sort of created that way. And I think the other things are obvious. obviously like, so the belief shifting to me is is the big one that you have to, once you get your first draft down, I, it, what, what I would do is like, okay, now I've got this down. I've got the fundamentals and now I can start, I'm free in the body copy to explore how do I want to have that conversation about the beliefs, right? My brain is free to focus on that, knowing the other parts or, or, cause another thing that would happen to me is I would get the ADD would kick in and I'd be like, uh, better. Oh, I get an idea about the offer or about, you know, and then I would get distracted. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's both. I mean, I can imagine anxiety rolling off people's back once they've finished the 10th card. Yeah. And also this is like, it's like a hall pass for your ADD, right? Once yeah, you exactly. got this down, you can go anywhere you want because you can always come yeah. back home for this. <laughs> it's a good way to put it. Yeah. You know, because the other things are like, again, I, I talked about the headline is like my brain just wanting to noodle around with a headline that I knew I wouldn't use. I knew I it wasn't I wasn't ready for to write the headline. This would get me ready for that. And the other thing it would do is if I needed a big idea, it would allow me to now have that session free of distraction that there's other parts I haven't considered yet. You know, it's sort of like the fundamentals are there and now, OK, what am I saying? What argument do I want to ultimately make to my my jury here? And what is the big idea I'm going to open with as the the leading counsel on that proposition, right? That negotiation. So, yeah, yeah. and and it, it's kind of maybe an unacceptable risk to think about that stuff if you're afraid that you're not going to have the fundamentals to rely on. And it's also a reasonable fear to think, oh shit. If I start working on a big idea and a closing argument to my jury, I'll never get around. I'll I'll be so far down the road, I'll never even, I won't even be, it's going to be, 
it's going to be like going back to kindergarten to come up with these 10 things. I'm not even going to want to do that. Oh, yeah. That's going to be boring, right? Right, but you think about it, it's like e even if I like this analogy of a court case because that's that's your proof, that's your evidence. Those are your exhibits that you're going to really that's your case. Like that's the foundation of it. If your opening statement stumbles or something and you're like, "Ah, I'd give him I'd give him a C on on the opener." Well, if your case is solid enough, if your 10 are the, all there and really convincing, you're probably still going to win the case if you if you should. Yeah, okay, so here's, I don't know if this is a, a pushback or an, an interesting objection. If these are your 10 exhibits, and I think that's perfect, you need to get the judge to admit them, to allow them into evidence. Mm -hmm. And by mm -hmm. the judge, I mean the critical part of your mind that says, well, I don't know how safe it really is, or I'm not sure that's a good bonus. And, you know, you can start getting in all of these critical arguments in your mind, or you can just say, we're going to let all these things into evidence. We can strike them later if we need to. Yeah, which is great. And that's, again, a thing I love what John says about that first draft. It, it should also be outrageous, the outrageous <laughs> first draft where you're going to walk it back. You know you're going to walk it back. And, you know, it's so much better to walk back bold copy than to try to pump life into lame copy right i i think it, i think it's impossible to pump up lame copy and and, yeah. and make it work yeah. make it credible well it's probably possible it's way too much work no it's it's much better to do it that way all right well well this is great i, I see we're close to the end of our time let me ask you um i should have asked you beforehand so we could have put it in the show notes but if people want to buy your four by six method where do they get it that's a really good or question david <laughs> Is it it's not available it, it, anymore? No, it 100% is. This has been our cold traffic product. So it's only $27 to get the whole system and some incredible uh -huh. bonuses. And it's safe because you have 30 days. No, it's... <laughs> uh, I will get you guys the link because I don't know it offhand because it's in. It, it's a cold traffic link. You know oh, what I mean? It, so I don't... It, it, it's inside the funnel and, and all kinds yeah, of... Yeah, but if, if you're... If you, if you, 40 lines if you, long... If you search Kevin Rogers copywriter on Facebook, we will find you and we will show you this app than you want. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there'll be a little drone. Let's say, show me your credit card number, please. Yeah. Hovering you outside your door when you can. <laughs> okay, guys. As always, Kevin, a wealth of information. Thank you for coming to the show and sharing this with us today and just hanging out. I always enjoy your attitude and your comedic special qualities that you bring <laughs> to each interview. And if people, if people do want to find out more about you just in general, Copy Chief, is that the best place yep. to go? Copychief.com. You can find the podcast there and everything else. Awesome. Again, thank you for coming on, David. Thank you for putting this together. And if you want to catch more episodes of this podcast, you can head over to copywriterspodcast.com. And until <laughs> next time, we will catch you later. See you guys. Thanks. Before we go, a quick question. Would you like to have me as a guest on your podcast? Let me give you an easy way to contact me about that. We've put up a form on garfinkelmedia.com, and it won't take much more than a minute to fill it out. So if you'd like to have me on your show, just go to garfinkelmedia.com and fill out the form. That's garfinkelmedia.com.
www.copywriterspodcast.com. Thanks, and see you next time on the Copywriters Podcast. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network. 